0: Welcome on board the leadership of fools. We are about to up anchor and leave our safe court into the wild oceans of business dilemmas. The Ship of Fools. Uh, we're on a very special voyage here today. It's more of a, well, I guess it's kind of an exploratory voyage. We've, we've left the normal choppy waters uh, that we would normally sail, and we've assembled a ragtag crew to take us there. Uh, but as always, uh, sitting with me is a first mate and all-round great guy, Colin Beattie.
1: Oh, thank you again, Rick. feel a bit uh, both excited and a little nervous. As
0: you should. You should be uh, both of those emotions uh, and none of them, all at the same time. Um, <laughs> because today we're going to be having a conversation about conversations. Um, it's, it's, it's the old chestnut. Meta. Yeah, very meta. But um, we're, going to, we're going to tackle it. We're going to nail it. Uh, I'm very confident. And because you've got a lot of experience, Colin, uh, around the whole uh, how to have effective conversations. Uh, So a couple of things about that. One is uh, it usually becomes one of the top
1: two or three things that organisations talk to me about as a consultant. Uh, How can we have more frank conversations, more robust conversations? How can we say it as it is? Uh, So it's really big in organisational land. Secondly, uh, uh, one of the other uh, crew members we have along today, Carl and I, run a program called Guts and Curiosity, and that is a program equipped to help people to have tough conversations.
2: Sorry, what's my title? Do I get a title?
0: Uh, I'm just going to make you um, Chief of the Poop Deck.
2: That, <laughs> I don't know if I like that.
0: Well, that's what you are. What's uh, poop As deck? captain, you don't don't argue with the captain. That's the number one rule on the leadership of fools. Okay, captain.
2: Uh, <laughs> How are you the captain?
0: Because uh, I spoke first. Okay. Uh, right, I'll keep I that also, in mind. I also built the ship with my own two hands. Why did you build a poop deck? <laughs> Can't have a ship without a poop deck, my friend. Okay. I have never heard of a poop deck. I've heard of it. That's I why just I'm don't the captain. Because you guys know nothing about ships. <laughs> <laughs> nothing.
1: Um, and just thirdly, uh, because I've learned so much from the three other people in this room, who are all improvisers and actors by profession, and I, in terms of the art form of conversation, I think I'm talking to three quite masterful people.
0: Hmm. Mystery oh, third. Who's you the mystery made, third? Made all three of us blush. Uh, before we get to the mystery third, let's uh, absolutely uh, reintroduce the second member of the crew today. Our chief of the poop deck. It is improviser and podcaster extraordinaire, Karl McConnell.
2: Uh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. You've said enough, poop thank deck you. man. All right, I'll be on the poop deck. <laughs> is that where I go when I'm tired? Like, oh, I'm pooped.
0: Yes. Whew. What you do on the poop deck is it's your domain.: Well, there's two things. You I'm going go with, I'm going
2: to go with the first. <laughs> Good.
0: Uh, and our final member of this motley crew here today is the only other person even capable of captaining this ship, but she's taken a more leisurely oh, okay. supervisory role today. <laughs> Thank you.: um, She's shadow Captain. Shall we call you the one?: yes. what? <laughs> It's like you're:
3: Don't complain:dow shadow captain. Shadow, shadow captain is a hard job. right.: Because. <sighs>
2: She's just to she, on
3: the poop
0: deck. She's gonna watch me captain, but she's and take notes to uh-huh. help me improve as a captain. That's uh-huh. right. But you know, if I'm making a mistake, she can't like jump in and take over because right. how am I gonna learn? That's From right. I've got to hide in the shadows. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's right. It is Amanda Buckley. Hello. Welcome on board this ship that you have steered so craftily in the past.
3: Thank you. I have a 101 in navigation.
0: <laughs> a so <cert> 4 yes. <laughs> a Cert 4 in navigation. Yes. And we are. We all do have a PhD in conversations. Mm. Um, We can talk the talk even though we rarely walk the walk uh, (laughs) because we're too tired from all the talking. That's why I'm on the poop deck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So thank you all for coming on board. We are going to tackle a conversation about conversations to figure out how how people can get it so wrong and how we might be able to get it a little more right. Um, Let's start with a a very simple prompt here. How do you know where you are in a conversation? Um, in the, uh, the start, middle and end. Uh, apart from op- the obvious chronology of it all. Obviously, when it starts, you probably feel like you're at the start.
2: And when it ends, Carl, you're at the end.
1: I reckon you've got a take on this one. Mm-hmm. Like almost that sense that a conversation is a bit like a, a narrative or a story there is yeah, yeah. there is a the beginning middle and end
2: because we're improvisers i think we deal with that a lot because we play within certain time frames so we might do a game that goes for 2 minutes or we might go and do a show that goes for 90 minutes without any breaks or anything so we need to know where we are in that show because a, you know if you're at like the if it's a 90 minute show and you're at minute 85 you don't want to bring in a brand new character with a whole bunch of new information that's the wrong thing to do so we need to know where we are in time and space in a scene so if that's a two-minute scene, we'll have characters and we'll have a narrative arc, and we'll know where the climax is and where the you know the finale is and all that sort of stuff. And that's exactly the same for a you know a ninety-minute show. Um, everything has a narrative. It's all. All narrative meetings have a narrative. They have a beginning, middle, and end. You know, um, a, a good conversation does. A party has a narrative. Like everything that you look at that goes for a span of time has a narrative to it. It has an arc to it. We're beginning, we're middle, and we're end. And you want to know where you are in those things because if you're having a tough conversation with someone and you've booked in 30 minutes, you don't want to get to minute 20 and go, "Oh shit, we're still at the beginning." Yeah. You know, you want to know where you are so you can move forward, or you know, have to, you know, I need to stop you now because we need to move on to this next section. You know,
1: when when we're doing the program, we Emphasize, say the first minute. Yep. So that's that kind of point in time when people are often most nervous, or yeah. you're setting the tone. And then we emphasize how to close it. I think the piece we haven't often done justice to is the in between and that yeah. sense of knowing where you are. Like, and I ask this to all three of you. Like, if you're doing a, a scene mm. or a show. Um, and where you're trying to concentrate on uh, each other, but also trying to see something else, which is what the audience is seeing and where you are in space and time. Like, how do you do that? I Uh, think,
3: yeah, you can't spend too much time thinking about what other people are seeing because then you're, like, that's me personally, I think um, it's that active listening part where you're um, in with the person. So instead of worrying too much about what, you're thinking about what I'm doing. I just need to be very clear. I mean, in, in, in impro, I need to be naming things. I need to be clear. I need to um, respond to what's been addressed, like been offered. So um, I have to listen to what you say and then acknowledge that I've heard it. And all. So it's a little bit of that, I think, in the middle parts of conversations. In the middle parts of scenes it is. I hear what you're saying. I'm accepting what you're saying. I'm going to do this with what you're saying rather than anticipating, which is why listening is so hard because often we're thinking, what am I going to say next? Or I wonder if they think that I meant this or do they think I meant that? We just have to deal with what's exactly been said so far.
0: And we are a a story-driven culture, um, it seems. Uh, Like, we're exposed to all different types of stories and we're so used to how stories look and feel... Um, and so I think we're all very aware of where where we are in conversations and in stories. And when you say we, you mean... Every, everyone. Everyone. Like we're, yeah. as performers and yeah. improvisers, we're probably hyper-aware of it because it's what we do for a living mm. is to tell these stories, but I think people are intrinsically aware, um, and that transition from beginning to middle is probably the trickiest bit. You feel that in any conversation that you have when you're making small talk with someone, you're at the beginning of the conversation, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. all feel that beat, where now it's the time to either cut or transition into a conversation. Yeah. I've got to into go to the, the middle. I've got to go to the toilet. Yeah. I'll be right back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I'm well, breaking there's up with you. That, <laughs> awkward beat where everyone feels now is the time where we need to transition from this yes. beginning of the conversation that to, makes the, to the yeah. meat yeah. of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Why Definitely. are we really here? Why got, have you called me into yeah. this room? And it's
3: not to ask about my new yeah. side hobby of song. And
0: that Middle of the conversation is the meat. And, and when we do sh- when we do uh, performances, the middle of the scene is the meat. We can set up the scene and we feel that. That point in the scene where we need to transition to the meat of the scene—we've set up the characters, and now we need to find out what this scene's actually about. Uh, and it's the same in conversations. Um, so can, I, we've can got to I go to the meat?
1: Can I say something around this because I think this is really important in organisational life? And I'm generalising, but I think people are avoiding getting to whether it's the meat or the middle or the or the the reason we—they're doing everything they can to avoid getting there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, when you say definitely, Carl, that you know you've being with a lot of people training in organisations and yep. you see, we see it all the time.
2: Yeah, I think it's because you don't want to be the bad guy. Because often in, because if you're in a situation where you have to have a conversation, there's a thing of this is going to be a tough conversation because if it's not, then there's no problem. And I think the conversation that Rick's talking about, they're meaningless conversations. Small talk is pretty much meaningless. Yes. That's why you get to the end of the small talk and it's like, well, what's next? But when you're having a meaningful conversation or a conversation in an organisation – I don't want to have to say this stuff to you. I don't want to have to talk about this stuff with you because...
1: I'm going to stay safe.
2: Yeah, I'm going to stay safe here and I don't want you to not like me. I don't want to feel ostracised and I don't want you to go back with the other people and group together around and point the finger at me. I want to be in that group pointing the finger at someone else. You know, like you want to feel like you belong. So I don't want to be the bad guy in that situation. So... Yeah, I mean that's I think that's the biggest hurdle for people to get over because they will stall, they will ask about your weekend and how the kids and all this sort of stuff, which is the person knows it's coming. (laughs) I've booked you know, in our calendars we have this time blocked out, this is gonna happen. They're sitting there going and they might be happy that it's not happening or they might be like, why is he asking about my kids? I know that the big blow is about to hit. Like, yeah. So, let's just get to it. for the but. I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. Even it's about the other person. Sorry.
3: It, well, even in performance reviews, like my background is um, I've had to have other jobs in order to maintain the current life I'm used to living, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of food and clothing and electricity. Um, so, I've worked in a Bloody lot of... Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Wow. Welcome to the good life. <laughs> <Look at that. laughs> We've got all the channels in my house. Um, no, we don't. Um, we, can't no, no, we can't m- get SBS. No, seriously, we can't get SBS. It's ridiculous really? in this day and age. Um, and that's a free to wear. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, all of the organisations I've worked for have structures, and the biggest one um, is uh, their personal development programs, or you know, uh, appraisals and things like that. Um, they come around like clockwork. And that's all they are, every six or 12 months or whatever. Um, And no one – you literally have that time with that person. All of my experiences have been um, just talking through the points. Oh, we did that. Yep, you did that. Yep, you did that. You did that. There's never any conversation. It gets to the end of a lot of time. You know, the manager says, um, is there anything else you want to bring up? That's when that happens. That should be the first thing. Mm. What do you want to talk about here? Um, or I want you to think about this, this, and this. We could be setting them, the, that setup of the conversation could be done much better. And then you won't need the awkward transition because the setup is so strong. So if the setup is, we've got a meeting tomorrow, you know, we're going to be talking about your personal development plan, I want you to have answers for these three things. Like we could be approaching the conversation yeah, better. Yeah before it's even begun
2: and it should be I mean that first section rather, the thing that takes three quarters is the thing that should be like the first five ten minutes which is just a summary of the previous six months like it's yep. like we, you've done this 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 and this and now we're looking at the future yeah. sort of thing like there should be no new information there they that's should have right. heard all that in the moment when it happened six months ago or three months ago Yeah, you know that's feedback or conversations I
3: mean we often talk in, in improv as well depending on, again on the length of the show on the length of the scene but we often say start in the middle if it's a short form exercise like if it's a short start form in game, start in the middle start um, in um, yeah, we would say start in the middle. You already know the person. So we don't want to spend time um, in a show. I, I mean, there are times where it works, but they're masterful improvisers who, are, you know, can make a piece of paper folding so entertaining. I
0: love that show. I know. Yeah. It's really good,
3: isn't it? <laughs> origami. <I> ch-
0: <laughs> and you. Origami Oh, see, so I was thinking
3: you. origami. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. yours is better. No, I like both.
0: Yeah. <laughs> both it's votes. my show, guys, and it's called Origami. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rick, Gammy, leg. Guys, this is I the just, new bit. This is the new bit. No, I just, I just continued to
0: fold broken legs. That's nice. It. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: yeah. Awesome. We've, oh, Rick, gone We've gone off. Gammy
3: leg. Um, but, <laughs> but the idea in in most of what we do is we don't want to spend time going, hello, y- y- you are like...
2: The origin
1: that, story.
3: That's right. Like, that can be... We want to we start in the middle. We want to say, how did the meeting go, John? Like we want to we be there so that we can get to that middle part, the meat mid- part that Rick was talking about.
0: is conflict. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. interaction and relationships and, and how do you feel? Yeah, that how do you feel being about something? People changed and affected by yeah. by what's going on and what's um, and the relationships at hand. Um, and so we want to cut straight to that part of the relationship, not not the introduction.
2: But yeah. and that's timed. That's time dependent as well. Like if if it's an hour show, you've got more time to spend in that. Yeah, you so can when meet because you don't want to hit with conflict straight away in, in Where a do show. Where you go from there? You don't want to hit with conflict straight away in a conversation because it's it's. You know, people are going to get their guard up straight away.
0: All right, guys, let's have a look at, uh, in conversations, what are we really scared of? What are we scared of? in them? Why are our conversations so hard? What's holding us back?
1: So, Carl, you said uh, fear of not belonging. Yeah. And I think uh, especially when you think about people having to live in offices and workplaces mm. every day for years, like uh, if I say what I really want to say to you, mm. will you reject me? Will you... Uh, You know, what will that mean
2: for the relationship? Yeah. I don't think we want to be singled out. I think that goes back to like prehistoric times, you know, like early humans. Like if you got ostracised, you were dead. Because you, you weren't, you weren't getting food, so you weren't going, for you, hunts, you mm-hmm. weren't make you know, you didn't get to mate and you know continue on your genetic line and things like that. That was the end of you. We're all here because we've survived since prehistoric times. Like we, our line continues that long. That's we're just the, basic. Uh, no, I'm,
3: I'm here because of medical intervention. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's I would have addictive. died in childbirth, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky to be but here, but and, and you're lucky saved to have you me. is
2: here because <laughs> because <laughs> of something. Yeah, that's yeah. right, great. <laughs> <right. laughs> and so if you got ostracized, that was the end of you. And I think that's the thing I was touching on before. Like if I, you know. If the three of us gang up on Colin and all point at Colin, let's.
3: Yeah,
1: guys. You know this is what I've been waiting for.
2: We feel we feel safe because there's three of us doing that. Oh, you don't, you don't want to be the, the person. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be the person cleaning the poop deck. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I think also ridicule, like yeah. you. You. I mean, there's there's that um, not belonging, but also if you already. You just None of us want to seem stupid, so we we don't want to say anything wrong, which, I mean, this is all in the same realm as mm. being judged, being um, uh, singled out, but that ridicule thing of there's nothing worse than feeling stupid, you know? I mean, there is. There's, like, I don't know. You could have your leg dying tucked dying off. And, yeah, yeah, yeah there's lots worse. of things worse than feeling stupid. But in terms of a professional existence, um, if you've got an idea... Um, I mean, it's the same with – it is – a lot of this is so much the same with Impro and and when people hedge, um, don't want to take that risk. But, um, you know, personally, again, from working in offices, people do not want to step out and take a risk and they don't want to be – oh, yeah, I've got this idea but people are probably going to laugh at it and think I'm silly and then they're not going to think I'm capable of doing the current job I'm doing. And So I think that that whole fear factor that –
1: One of the words you used was judge and I – I wouldn't underplay how that much that plays out, because if you think about what organisations are essentially about, it's uh, some level of performance. Whether it's even if it's community-based organisation, it's how we add value to the community. So there's there's something about that organisation has to perform, and inherent in performance is the judgment of that performance. And yet, uh, I I suspect it's one of the things we hate most as humans being judged. So, all of a sudden...
2: We I think you can judge the outcome, but I think the journey to that outcome shouldn't be judged. I think, right. that's the, I think it can be steered and things like that, but I think the problem... But that seems, that's seems to be a reasonably thing.
1: sophisticated way of thinking about it. Um, but
2: I think that's culture as well. Like, you can go into an organisation and say the stupidest thing, and they'll go, yeah, maybe, or the, maybe the next person... Because in improv, you know, you'd say yes to that, and you'd say and, and you'd build on it and make that idea that's not amazing better... And I don't think you see that a lot in organisations. And in other organisations, you won't say a peep because the culture of that place is stay in line and don't say anything out of the ordinary.
1: Can I put that one in the spotlight a bit longer? Yeah, The, sure. the, the yes and concept? Because I think it's fundamentally what makes uh, improv shows hmm. uh, both entertaining and uh, at times moving and touching and emotional. And also it's the heightened conversation, you know. So you actually take something that I might offer and you're Mm. going to make it better. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's not necessarily how conversations in workplace tend to play out.
2: No, I think there's fear because with conversations, there's ideally the outcome is change. So I'm having this conversation... With you, because then it's because what's the point of having a conversation? It's the same thing with a narrative. If a story, if a character begins a story here and ends the story in exactly the same spot, what was the point of the story? What was the point? So, if, okay. you know, what's the point of having a conversation? Less if there's not if there's one not change? party,
1: if not two parties, are prepared to change? There's kind of yeah, it, it goes back to the performance management process that's just tokenistic.
3: Yeah, that's right. And if yeah, you see that yeah. if you see that trickling down from above that they're not even interested, like why would the person that's receiving any of that? Um, feedback like this is the kind of um, words that come into play. If I'm not if, – if, if you're being given feedback from someone who clearly is just going through the motions because they have to because it's part of their PDP um, plan, their personal development plan as a manager is to give feedback so they're going to get that feedback from their manager and everyone just says but HR expect these to be all finished by um, 30th of June. So if we haven't done it, guys, can we just get it done?
0: HR um, and their deadlines. Yeah. God, someone's going to have a word to HR. But yeah. we Who? can't get it done, guys. <laughs> Whatever it is, I know we can't yeah. get it done. The but four of us are hopeless. <laughs>
3: yeah. But it's just such a weird concept that um, they're not even... Like if people aren't invested in... you know it's, Again, it's that investment in people. If you're not invested in your people, um, why would they put anything into it either? And we're all just happy to take home our paychecks so long as we don't get in trouble. Um, you
0: know? I think a lot of the principles that we use as improvisers are there to break down those blocks that people naturally have in terms of communication. So it is trying to make sure that we're improvising an environment where we don't feel judged and we uh, aren't afraid to, to fail or say the wrong thing or, be, or, or look stupid because we know that people are going to look after us and look after our ideas and make our ideas look better. Um, and so all of these things are, that we use as improvisers are things that obviously um, imp, uh, can be implemented well sort of as ideas in the corporate world, which is why we spend a lot of our time doing exactly that. Because um, it is about communication and conversation. Uh, we just do it in funny voices on stage <laughs> telling stories. Um, but the idea is, is the same. Because uh, a lot of the tough conversations in corporate life are to affect change and to, uh, imp- you know, either improve or, or find ways around different issues. Um, and they break down because conversation is still
1: imagine struggling. i a listener or two would be going, yes, but in organisations, um, but in organisations, that, that uh, it's almost that sense that uh, the consequence is more significant. Whereas you, you can fail on stage or you can stuff something up. You know, I'm almost talking myself out of that because that can also be mm-hmm. quite embarrassing and uh, feel terrible, I imagine. But in workplaces, it could affect...
3: But also, I th- lives. yeah, totally. But also, I think it is really hard to get fired. I think it's really <laughs> hard to get fired these this days. Is the
2: number one and takeaway that we want our listeners to know. <laughs> no, no, but, but what I mean is, just screw up because they're not going to sack you. No,
3: but it might be hard to get fired. But it's also not necessarily like that's no. That that also means it's potentially hard to be really happy yeah, as well yeah. because be- we we like you can just plot along. Um, and And I'm again, gee, this is like marrying my two worlds together this these activities as an improviser and as someone who spends a lot of time in an office in a in a in a low level admin role. So I fall under all those things. I get performance um, uh, reviews all the time. Mm-hmm. and I mean I into a meeting once I said to the manager who was a new manager who had to give me a performance review and he said, "I don't really know anything about you, so I can't say anything and I said, like jokingly, you know, um, you won't hear anything bad because I'll cut them if they do, if they <laughs> say anything, you know. And he laughed and, and he was like, well, yeah. And I said, what else do you want to talk about? You know, like we had nothing to talk about but we both signed off that I'd had my review. Mm. Um, I do my job. I do my job well but I also um, am really naughty. I'm really naughty at work because I can't help myself. I'm, I have this weird... A title of admin person and I do all my admin stuff, but I also, because of the other part of my life where I get to work with extraordinary people all the time, challenging themselves, breaking through different barriers that they've got professionally, you know, rising up above um, kind of what they what their positions are, to leaping to higher levels. I can't help but go, guys, there's more to life than this, you know. Um, yeah. But no one will fire me. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I guess on, on that, I think a lot of... Um like you're saying there's higher stakes, but I think the stuff that we work on or we give ourselves permission to fail, yes and to um and to look after each other and but then once you do as you, the more you do it, the more you realise that most of the fears and the things that were holding us back were purely imagined anyway. Like yeah, yeah. removing um, the judgement and, and giving yourself permission to fail means that you actually don't fail as much as you thought you were going to do and that people aren't even judging you anyway. Yes. It was just that you imagined you were going to get judged and you imagined you were going to mm. fail and that was stopping you and actually causing you to fail and be judged, I guess, in a way that was creating a cycle. Yeah. You know what Whereas once you remove that, if you can... So yes, the stakes are higher, but it's actually just showing you that you don't have to worry about all these things that you're worrying about. You just need to put yourself out there and you'll see it's not as bad as you're imagining.
2: Because it's also your choice as well. Like that, I mean, someone might judge you, how you respond to that is up to you. Yeah, I mean, right. you could just laugh it off and go, okay. You know, and in terms of talking about failure and stuff, you can, there's times to fail and then there's times not to fail. Sure. You know, and I think it's, I mean, for, as an improviser, you don't go out there and go, I'm going to fail tonight. It's like you go out there and if it's feeling good, then I'm going to push myself and I might push myself to the point where I fail, but I might have covered a whole bunch of new ground up leading up to that failure. Yes. And yeah. I think that's, the import, that's where the breakthroughs and things happen. And then when you break it, then, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I'll push through something there. And, and then you start from that point next time as well. So I think it's, you know, you've got to use your brain a little bit as well. Rick, what do we have next? Um, um,
0: uh, sorry, I missed everything you were saying then because I was trying to figure out when to work this bit in. Why do humans struggle to listen? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well played. That's why you're the
0: captain.
3: And also a robot. <laughs>
0: Does not compute. Why do humans struggle to listen? Why do humans?
1: So Amanda, you... Uh, why do
0: you, the humans? You said this
1: this one in particular intrigued you. So you sat with it for a little while
3: (laughs) yeah well um I think we struggle to listen because well I struggle to listen because I'm already trying to think out my role in the conversation so I'm constantly um I mean it's something that happens to improvisers all the time you get in your head so you're thinking what's going to happen next would they like it if I know this um you know so we don't focus on what we focus on so much externally that we think might happen. Exactly like you were saying about that imaginings, Rick. That's the things that we imagine are going to happen. So we think the conversation is going this way. I'm imagining you're going to say this next. I'm coming up with answers or offers in my head so that I can be part of that. And in doing that, I'm missing essentially what we are talking about a lot of the time. I think we are are often, in listening, we're thinking about ourselves listening rather than actually listening to the other person.
2: I think it's, I think we don't, in certain situations we're fine with listening. Like I can listen to music fine and I can watch a movie and hear what's going on fine. Uh, I can have a conversation and listen perfectly. I think it's when there's, like if it's in an organization or if it's, Colin, if I'm having a tough conversation with you, that's when things start to go a bit awry. Because I think, you know, there's. Fear there, and there's you know I'm gonna feel like I'm being attacked. Even though I'm you know I'm trying to help you with this, you're gonna feel attacked because I'm coming at you and asking you to change something, and that's gonna be hard. So you know, and then you know physically things are gonna happen in your body. So the limbic system's gonna kick in in the brain, and you know the emotions are gonna take hold and things like that, and that's gonna blunt the you know rational part of the brain and things like that. And so and the stronger that gets, the harder it is to have the conversation because that person's got emotion now and anger and things like that, and that you know goes up and up on scale to the point where the person passes out like you know there are different levels that you pass through for things like that so what conversations do
3: you have with people Carl? i had
2: one conversation so i'll give you a real life story and How it's only I? ever happened to me once with I was, michael hutchins yeah <laughs> it ended badly it did for both of us more, more him more him i was found not guilty um <laughs> We can edit this. <laughs> <laughs> Back to your poop deck, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was, I was the RTC director of a big impro company and I was mediating a conversation. I wasn't even in the conversation. These people were having it and it was getting heated and I was steering it and making sure it was all okay and everything and then suddenly it turned on me really quickly and I was completely unprepared for it. And I've since investigated this because I was so freaked out by it. I started looking at and reading about these states of preparation and things like that um, that I started getting tunnel vision and I started going, I can't hear what they're saying anymore and things like that. And it was like at a certain point I'm going to drop and then I was like... So it was physical. Yeah, physical. Yeah, all the other stuff disappears, you know, and it's all just like all I could... I could feel my heart. I could hear my blood pumping through my ears and things like that. Uh, and I called a five-minute break because it was like, oh, it's getting a little bit heated. I think you guys need to, you know, let's just take a moment. And that was just so And heavy. he went outside. And, and passed was, out. It was 1963. <laughs> <laughs> it was a time <laughs> tunnel. He was standing on a grassy knoll. <laughs> and so I read about that and there are, and that's why they do training for, you know, armed services. They put them into real-life situations to be able to... Deal Deal with those situations when they actually arise. It's why we rehearse and that's why we practice our skills in improv. So when we're on stage, we don't have to think about them. They're just there. Can we keep
1: going with that while, yeah, yeah. while we're on that role? How do you practice listening skills? Uh, because I suspect most of us in organisational life don't even contemplate... Uh, ...even think about the prospect of doing that, practising, rehearsing.
2: Well, we... If you don't, you screw up the show, basically. like yeah. If I don't listen to Amanda and Rick for like an hour... It's there's just a hot mess. Like. And this
0: is the tricky thing, because for us, it's yeah, it's important to it's it's critical to listen. So it's it's in our interest to develop our listening skills. Um, but when we were talking about when do people switch off, um, they also switch off when they just feel like the conversations are irrelevant, or if the language being used confuses them and they're like, oh, I don't really know what's going on anymore, then they switch off. And so there's different ways that you can yeah. sort of, whereas when we're on stage, that's never an issue for us. A language sometimes can be, but we sort of bluff our way through anyway, because that's what we do. But um, we never feel like what's happening on stage is irrelevant to us because we're in the show. And so everything that's yeah. being said is relevant to us, which helps us. And um, But I guess that's something that people in organisations often struggle with. They can make snap decisions um, that conversations aren't relevant to them. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, Except that, yeah. I
1: think we know yeah. on paper that's so this, fundamentally yeah. flawed.
3: It's 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 also like listening.
1: Why, why have a meeting if yeah. we're yeah. not prepared to listen yeah. to it's, each other's perspectives? Buyer.
3: And also like listening with not just. I mean, this sounds so basic, but not just listening with your ears. If we only listen with our ears on stage, we're going to miss all the subtext which is going on. So if I'm only listening to the words... Listen with your eyes, guys. That's right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Smell with your ears. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you, you will miss out on all the subtext, yeah, you know, yeah. where what I'm saying... I'm, I'm actually saying this, but I really mean all this other stuff, which is, you know, kind of drama mm. 101. Um, but drama 101,
1: but not necessarily um, yeah. stuff that people will have yeah. been taught. So what do, we, what do we mean by subtext
2: even? Oh, Just, I mean, body language, but basic body language. Yeah, marrying the, up the Not truth the crappy body sh- language of like the person's feet are pointing towards the door, so they don't want to be here. It's you know the fact that they're huffing or not making eye contact or they've folded their arms and they've and yeah. their yeah. has got tunnel vision, something yeah. like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Carl's, Carl's, but even Carl's if you're the drop. one,
3: if you're <laughs> the one in the conversation that's doing the talking, like you can be listening while you're talking. Or you know, receiving while you're talking by seeing how the person's taking something, if you're not then going to take on board the fact that you can clearly see that they've crossed their arms now or they're shaking their head or they're huffing or any of those things, if you're not going to acknowledge that, you know, why have you delivered that news anyway? There's always
2: more to... To communication yep. than, than what the words being said. Yeah. There's a lot more going yeah, on. Yeah, I can make it really obvious that I have zero interest in what you're saying without saying anything and not even moving that much. He's doing it now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing it now. Just look at the signs. Look at the signs. <laughs> but it's and it's it's simple. And people will do that to you because it puts you off guard. Yeah, and yeah. then suddenly there's this wall that you got to climb over before you can even get to the thing that you wanted to do. And and people that are experts in that will just keep building wall after wall for you to scale and scale and scale. And, scale. and then look, time's up. We've got to come back and do this next week. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, in this day and age, building walls is never a good idea. No, it's out of fashion. <laughs> it's, it's, very, yeah, it's very passe. It costs a lot. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Um, guys, feedback. Yes. Why so hard? Question mark. I've got some feedback for you. Is it that you want to be off the poop deck? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm actually, gonna, I'll take that feedback on my board. My feedback
2: was I want to thank you for putting it on the poop deck. Oh. At first, I didn't like it. Hmm. Now I'm all good. Carl? Yeah? Employee of the month. Woo! <laughs> Just a water them. Awesome. I'm going to put a frame photo of you on the poop deck. My yep. next feedback is I can't remember what you said.
0: Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, feedback. Why so hard? Oh. Question mark.
3: I'm going to say for all of the reasons that we said. Yeah, I think um, we said a lot. Judgment, fear, I don't want to be singled out, I don't want to be the bad guy. Um, and it's, again, all of those things are I, 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 I. It's how it's, it's me in it rather than that it could be of assistance to the person that's and receiving it. I think it's
1: because it. we've also lost its meaning and its intent. So if I think about yeah, the it's word a, feedback... Yeah, conscious of wrong... I well, this, think, how can I get better? This okay? comes to I want to feedback a, um, to get better. Yeah,
0: There's yeah, a separate yeah. prompt here that ties into that. Can't we call feedback something else? Because it's a damaged brand. So that probably... Oh. we can. How about shut up, I'm that.
2: trying to help you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the, the damaged part of the brand yeah. is that sense of when the word feedback is said, mm. it tends to invoke a physical reaction in people. Yeah. Like... Can I give you some feedback? So instantly I'm going to probably put up my barriers, uh, arm myself, get ready to to argue or to run away or fight-flight type response. So even the word itself has, you know, has damaged connotations.
3: Yeah. It's such a, a bizarre concept when, you know, it, again, I'm take, bringing it back to the whole kind of, development reviews and things like that so feedback should be part of development that's what it should be feedback is given so that you can develop but most of the um review or personal development um, conversations i've had have never involved any feedback it's literally the tick box we've done this so yeah, move okay. on and it'd be great to think of it as if, if as a leader your job is to deliver feedback is that you it is thought of as um you know we're, i'm going to look after you i'm going to mentor you can or... we call
0: them development conversations Mm. Does that have a nice ring to it? How Co- do we feel about development conversations?
2: Conversations of growth, because
0: yeah. we we always harp on when we when we um, tackle feedback mm. um, in our own structures and in, in corporations that that feedback is supposed to be purely for development to yeah. improve, um, and so it should probably have that focus rather than just saying because feedback does feel like we're going to talk about All the things you did you wrong. Do. But it's not yeah, the name. Good and bad.
2: It's not the name. It's the fact. I think we don't spend enough time focusing on the good feedback, on the motivating feedback. It's always, let's point out what's wrong. Let's just fix everything that's wrong all the time rather than, you know, celebrating the things that are right. And because if you're not getting that... Then of course it's gonna feel like an yeah. attack every time someone says the word feedback. But if the majority of the feedback is you did a great job, here's why, really quick, thirty seconds we're done. And you get that a lot of the time, the person knows what's why they were good and how they were good and how they can improve. And events. there is
0: there is no point changing the name unless you're gonna change the process. Cause yeah, because whatever call the you same change thing it to thing, will then become a damage brain. Yeah, development. Oh, no, development yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm oh, I'm sick of worst. being developed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no my <high-rise> development. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm revisiting something, uh, Rick, you spoke about on another Podcast. Yes, I'm always talking. where you called feedback fuel uh, a yeah. fuel. Sorry, I can't even say that word. Fuel.
0: Leadership and, of fuel.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> so uh, I, I see. I think you said something like, "I see feedback as f- fuel. It fuels me to be better, yeah. to perform at a ne- ne- another level." Yes. And I then think you uh, somehow invoked the uh, Elvis. Yeah. And you said, what? "Don't be cruel."
0: Ah. Oh yeah, my yep. classic always rhyme, always, oh, he's got a rhyme. always, like, always yeah. cruel, a always, always cruel. Never guys, fuel. development always cruel. conversations aren't meant to be cruel; they're meant to be fuel. Oh, guys, wow. Elvis said that <laughs> just, before he, just before he left the building,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and he was just taking care of business. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Anyone what that we're knows Elvis, yeah, that's yeah. what Elvis's favorite. Yes. So
1: I'm I'm with you on it's not changing the name for the name's sake, but it is that refreshing. It has such a damaged reputation. And invoke so much, whether that's tokenism—we're just doing this in a token way, we're checking a box, where, or I'm going to use it to attack you, to undermine yeah. you, yeah. Uh, whatever it is. There's something powerful about. It's,
0: there's a lot of negative conversations, but I mean, it's got the word back in it, which I mean, it's got a negative. It's, you're going backwards. We're looking backwards. Back. Uh, what happens when you're on stage and the microphone stuffs up and there's a horrible sound? What's that oh. called? Feedback. Yeah, that's what but that's called.
3: yeah, but think about the Beatles song. Um, I feel. F- oh, I feel fine. Yeah. The beginning of that was the invention of feedback. So the Beatles could do bom, anything. Bom.
0: Like they're much like Elvis. They can do no wrong. Um, so they're the one of the few people Thank that you. could use feedback effectively. And <laughs> Sonic
2: Youth. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> always,
0: yeah. yeah.
3: you love Sonic Youth. I do.
0: Um, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apart from me. Yeah are there just some people you can't have a real conversation with i mean obviously me i'm i'm impossible to talk to but yeah that's um, true just in life, what
2: sort of where, where are the where are the biggest blocks? You mean if they're like shut down or something? Like if they're. I mean obviously,
0: Carl goes into tunnel vision and drops to the floor, so it's yeah. difficult to talk to most of the time. But
2: that's good in a fire. <laughs>
3: Stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll.
2: When do, do the third
0: thing, he just stops and drops. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to roll him yeah, out roll of the building. Roll him of the window, yeah. Or, he's na- or he burns <laughs> to a crisp. A
1: very typical <sighs> response when we do a program, say like Guts and Curiosity, is oh, this is great, but what about my boss? Uh, you know, if I'm going to be more courageous, if I'm going to be more interested, uh, if I'm going to follow these rules but my boss hasn't done this program and they won't do it. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a classic sense. It's another in to that particular question that says, are there people that are just not open or so closed or so manipulative that uh, you want to avoid having conversations with?
0: Mm. Well, yes, there, there probably are all, in all organisations... Um, Probably they're people that you struggle to have proper, either because of power structures or personality clashes, um, but they are definitely things probably that aren't addressed, but probably should. There should be ways to address that sort of thing, and and I say let's open the floodgates.
2: Yeah, I think I mean you have to do the right thing and have that conversation with that person. They might not listen or shut you down or whatever, but at least you've done, at least you've tried. And it's always so hard. you
1: subscribe to. No matter how hard it is, it's yeah. still worth it. If
2: I'm going to have a conversation with you and I know that you were just going to stonewall me the whole time, I think the right thing to do for me is to actually have that conversation. And then the next conversation is, it's not actually a conversation, it's feedback about the fact that you do not listen to anything that I say or anything like that because that person might not have heard that. Or and yet
1: Rick that, mentioned the power structure that exists in organisational life, hierarchy. Yep. Um, how do you see that? Maybe I'll ask the impro question first. Uh, the hierarchy in impro is what?
2: Well, I mean, it depends. Off stage, there's a hierarchy in terms of there might be an artistic director, yes. and then I guess there's you know senior players and players that've been doing it for longer. Um, but on stage, there's not a hierarchy. It's it's like a flat leadership, I guess, or a, or a fluid leadership in terms of. You know, I might be driving the scene and Rick might be the protagonist and I'm, I'm giving him lots of choices to make and at a certain point that might shift around a little bit as well and someone else might take the lead for a while and drive the scene for a bit more. Otherwise, it's just my perspective, driving yeah. the whole time and that's not that interesting. But and as
0: a culture, we also, tr- I guess, work to destabilise that power structure or, or diffuse it a little bit because there are, like, there's artistic directors and people who are um, in charge of... Putting shows on, and so they've got certain amount of power in 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 that sense, but um, in terms of performance, we always try to have um, sort of multi directional yep. uh, development conversations, which make, makes and sense.
3: And <laughs> I think there's a difference between well, what in the improv world we would try. I mean, it, again, it's 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 only we're all humans, so it's not successful all the time, people are still people. But I, I think even with the roles of hierarchy, there's a difference between a role versus the behavior. I think um, most companies would very much hope that the people at the top of that hierarchy in terms of being the artistic directors or, or, or such, a, are they themselves that role model that leads by example, allows for the feedback, wants feedback themselves. They probably got into the position usually because of being very experienced as an improviser, which means you crave the feedback. So I think that whole, what's it from, um, from the movie Clerks, uh, title doesn't dictate behaviour. So even though there's a, a role hierarchy, there should never really be a... A Kevin Smith movie. Yes.
0: Mm. Hmm. Interesting. It's Amanda's most quoted film. Yeah. <laughs> Every... Yeah. She's Your
3: just... love for me is like a rock bazooka. <laughs> that's anyway for. It's the. It's deep, a song that's in deep it. Did uh, couple references <laughs> for all the Kevin Smith fans out there. <laughs> did I just do that? Yes, yes, I did.
1: I think the reason why this the hierarchy piece is so important is uh, you talked about stakes, and I actually love that term that the stakes are the consequences. It sometimes feels like there's no point me saying anything because the only possible consequence is negative for me in terms of my career um so why would i speak up why would i actually say what i really mean why would i name that behavior
2: because Um, you're in that position however many hours a day each day of the week so what are you willing to put up with and things like at the end of the day you have to make a decision so it's almost the that both risk the yeah, risk of saying something
3: is or
2: the
1: th- other the risk of not saying yeah.
2: something yeah, yeah. can I live with myself both of, the, you both and of and I those things a, are uncomfortable yeah sorry you and I ran a program once somewhere Colin where one of the people said they had a problem with the person above them yes and th- their decision was to not say anything yes. because people in that position only ever lasted about five years and so they were just going to wait the person out yep
3: Five years is a long time. Yeah, to and wait. it's like
2: that's a really long time. And they might not go. Yeah. They might be there for ten years. And so and it was I I that I reckon that happens a lot. Yeah. You I, know, I'll just you know what? It's just the job.
3: Yeah. Personally, I've recently had a very difficult position in my part-time job as an admin person. Um, and I and again, still I'm 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 regretful and, and in many ways ashamed because the thing that probably I could have done was talk directly to the person who is um who who basically I've been in a bullying situation at work and it's it's so commonplace. They just don't like me, and that's okay. Like I, I'm, I am actually okay with that. Um, it's the manner in which it's displayed in the workplace you that I'm finding bullying
0: them. Then,
2: yeah, I know, I
3: know. I might like more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I should have been, because of all of my training and everything that we talk about, I should be able to just talk to them about it. Yes. But I'm actually crippled with fear over it. It's mm. it's it's gotten bigger than me. But I did, for the first time, talk to a manager about it and oh. said, I just need to acknowledge that this is happening, and they we talked through what we think you know what what would the outcomes be should we bring them in and have a th- proper conversation and all of those things and and as a result there's uh, we we don't talk to each other we still haven't talked to each other but it has been diffused quite a bit my anxiety about it has lessened because i've told someone i believe this is happening um they have touched base with me a few times and they how are you feeling about it um and it's interesting because if i had of been more courageous earlier to just say, "Hey, I can see that we have a personal problem here. Um, it would never am, have gotten this. I'm Amanda Buckley. <laughs> yeah, I would never have gotten <laughs> that big. Captain. So it's it's the fact that I'd gotten to a point where I couldn't yeah. live with it anymore. I had yeah. to say something. Yeah. And so you dobbed. I dobbed.
2: But that's the thing that happens in organisations with feedback and all that sort of stuff as well. Is that it's like. It got to a point where I couldn't deal with it anymore. I couldn't. But the other thing was, you could deal with it earlier on. I mean, it's hard, but it's I could have dealt with it directly if I had have,
3: and that's my biggest regret because I know that if I had have said. We shouldn't be doing this. We're professional people. Mm. I wouldn't have had to have gotten to a point where I'm. I was crippled with fear yeah. by this person yeah, yeah. that I couldn't approach them because it had gotten so hostile. Mm. And literally, no words have ever been spoken between us.
0: Yeah. It's all action
3: and until we got here
0: today. Yeah, and I've got to say we've made a lot of yeah. Lot of thanks, Rick. Hit. This is the
3: first time we're talking. <laughs> yeah. you know, no, it's, it wasn't Rick. But as a result, I think it got to that thing where it. I, I couldn't put up with that anymore, so I had to have an awkward conversation with my um my next manager to just bring it to them. And and that, because it was personal as well as in yeah. all right so it's starting to affect my work because they clearly don't like me. Um,
1: as a, as I'm listening like and thank you thank you for sharing this but at at the same time it just reminds me of the humanity of mm. what we're talking about. So this is Yeah, everything was, you're talking about is the human experience.
3: Yeah. It, uh, the fear is real Like as in I was, I, I was at a point Where I was very, very And I was nervous Even talking to my manager About it Because I, I felt silly yep. I'm going to have to tell them That um, I'm a 42 year old woman Who's scared of another 42 year old woman <laughs> yeah. And um, can you please help me
0: Turns out it was just Her in a mirror <laughs> She'd been bullying herself in the oh mirror. Oh my god! Is that <laughs> why the,
3: the gaze was so judgmental? <laughs> I'm my own biggest enemy. We <laughs> should never report
0: a mirror next to Amanda's desk.
3: But interestingly <sighs> enough, the moment I spoke the words and talked to someone else about it, like in any big fear, um, I cope now. We're still not. I'm, I still haven't spoken to this woman, but I believe. Um, I believe that at least that. Has been taken away from me. the The discomfort and the fear has now been dissipated because I've made I've had a conversation with someone else about it, and um, everything's gotten much better. And I think so, that's where the
0: problem is. What we've touched on is uh, the people assess the risk early on. They're like, "Well, this is annoying. I could talk about it, but that's going to put me out of my comfort zone. Uh, m- more, it's going to that's going to put me out of my comfort zone more than just putting up with this behavior, without realizing that that. The less you deal with it, the more that behaviour is going to escalate, and yep. it will get to the point where it's going to there's going to be a tipping point where you can no longer deal with it, um, and you have to have a conversation and either confront the person or find a way to to have the issue dealt with by dobbing. Yep. Um, <laughs> and um, and that's happens. Most of the time yep. that you that you assess the risk early on and decide, I'll just put up with it, it's going to escalate to a point where you're going to regret having made that decision. Uh, so we've got to start training ourselves to tackle things before they hit
2: the tipping point. Yeah. And, and I and think it's, it comes down to time as well. Like, how much time am I willing to invest in this situation before I do go and escalate it somewhere else? Like, because at a certain point you're going to have to realise and I think this is going back to the original question like if you're shut down to me Colin and I'm having a conversation this can only happen for so long before something else has to happen so before it needs to be escalated or something like that so it's like I've tried how much time am I willing to invest in trying because at the moment this is taking an hour of my week every week we have to come back and have the same conversation and again it's like that thing of watching the movie where the person hasn't changed at the end they're exactly the same what's the point in that so now it has to escalate and now there might be you know Repercussions because of that behaviour and things.
3: Yeah.
1: Can I ground this? Um, I suspect, Rick, you're about to take us down a different path again.
0: Yes, I can want I... to talk about anime. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: a very different path.
0: <laughs> oh, am I not allowed to do that? Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll, that stick, was a, I'll, I'll stick to the...
1: Quite unexpected for me.
2: <laughs> she makes great cakes.
1: <laughs> if I can ground, ground this briefly in that sense of um, what Guts and Curiosity is about, it's about... What, uh, essentially a Venn diagram where in the middle are two words, the words being outcomes and relationships. Mm. And I think the moment you always have two things you're trying to achieve, it, it always becomes harder. So in the past, uh, in terms of human experience, conversations were probably used for relationships primarily. Mm. What you layer now into this as, as an organisation is most organisations exist not for the relationship but for the outcome. Mm. So uh, I'm sitting there going, I don't really want to have to have this relationship conversation with you. I just want to get on with uh, getting what we need to get done. Yeah.
3: any if all that's getting done, why would I bother worrying about up here? Yeah. yeah.
1: And so what we're dealing with is a classic tension, um, the tension of... Uh, especially in an organisational life where I know not only do I want the outcome, but I'm going to have to see you every day. Uh, that adds this other dimension to it. And every time we share this, Carl, I reckon in the room, you can almost see half half the room going, oh, yeah, yeah, relationship's great. And
2: the other room going, outcome's great. Yeah. It's the both yeah. that's the hard part. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, that's... Th- you can go from A to B like we can get to wherever we want to go yeah however way we want to get there and that's going to be the culture is yep. the, way, the way we get there is our culture so it can be focusing on relationships and making the because we'll get there anyway like we can just burn through people and, and you know burn them out and they'll quit and we'll get we'll replace them with someone else and things like that and there are organizations that will do that or we can try and you know have relationships and form relationships and work together and get to point B together yes. and so that's a decision that has to come from the top often but you can a that cultural doesn't mean decision. yes yeah. and that's the cultural decision but you can also form your little microculture within your small team by doing that sort of stuff. You might have a burning company that burns the people out and stuff but within your little kind of silo, you can, you know, it can be about conversations and trying to improve and do all that sort of stuff as well. Like I think there's a little bit of apathy sometimes. It's like, oh, but, the, you know, they'll never go for that. And it's like, well, they don't have to but you can do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. I think um, it's that tricky thing because there needs to be acknowledgement of the human factor. You are talking about the, the human factor in business. Because on paper, business and organisations, um, you, can, you can feel like this should all be able to run smoothly. We've got processes, we've got this. People all have a job to do. Um, so on paper, it should run smoothly yeah. without re- acknowledging the fact that it's, there's human emotion and uh, interaction at play in all of this that's going to create chaos theory. Um, and we tend to see that as a fault in the system or we ignore that part of the system and say oh you know this person's just you know we've got to get rid of them um, but in my experience even in um sort of in a performance capacity I've I've seen there can be a focus on oh this person's not fitting in well with the company and and we and we feel like oh if this person moves on the company's really going to be able to thrive and that person moves and then all that happens is that someone else in the company becomes the focus of yeah. who's who's Not the hardest to work in, yeah. with, you know what I mean? Um, and so it's... Because it's just human... There's human emotions at, at, at play that need to be acknowledged, I think, in organisation. And I think conversation is a great place to start for all of that. Getting effective conversation is a way of acknowledging and, and helping those human interactions. But um, I think organisations could do more to acknowledge the fact that what looks good on paper needs to take into account chaos theory of human...
2: Friday. Yeah, There needs to be respect, there doesn't have to be like Like I don't have to like you to work with you and respect with you You know, you work with I'm improvised You don't... <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to work. Like we improvise with people that I don't particularly like them but I'll get on stage with them every day because I respect them as a performer. They're an awesome performer. And you, awesome can, and you performer. can trust the
3: quality of their work. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: But as a person off stage, it's like, yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. And and I'm not going to go and have a coffee with you or go hang out with your kids and you and all that sort of stuff. So, I, yeah, I think that sort of helps deal with that sort of chaos of people because yeah. the other thing is you don't want a cookie-cutter organisation where everyone's exactly the same because that's, that's the death of that company then.
0: Yeah. Um, and finally, when and how to end a conversation like Seems
2: this. apt. Like this, I'm out of here. Smoke and bomb and, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. tunnel drop. vision
0: hit the floor. I was oh. going to drop <laughs> 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 Microphone drop.
2: Yeah, this expensive microphone in front of me. <laughs> um, yeah. you go, uh, with momentum, you need to, yeah. so momentum carries on into that. Because if I'm having a conversation with someone and, it's, and the thing isn't resolved or whatever it is, then it's going to need to be another conversation. You want to leave with momentum so you can go into that conversation or inertia. Like the conversation stops but the inertia of that conversation carries that person forth to help create the change that they need to make or whatever it is.
1: That's interesting because the conversation itself is not the end. No, It's the means to the the end. It's the It's the means to change. To change, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sometimes the beginning. Yeah. So if you're looking for energy, you're looking for change, you're going to have to have conversations that have momentum because Mm. they will lead to action versus the the tokenistic check-a-box activity yeah. will lead to...
0: Not a lot. <laughs> and I think it's generally easy to end conversations and, again, people sense when to end a conversation as long as you've successfully transitioned from beginning to middle. Um, it's right. really hard to end a conversation if you've only done the beginning mm. and you've gotten to the bit where you need to get to the meat of the conversation and you chicken out and you just skip to the end. That's when you have those awkward end conversations because, yeah. like, oh, we didn't... Uh,
1: can the three of you help me with this? Because one of the big th- themes in organisational life at the moment is how much we can learn about storytelling mm-hmm. and how we can leverage storytelling. I think there's something in the three of you that would say, well, yes, that's true. And at the same time, you have we all know as humans yeah. from day dot yeah. stories. We read stories, we're shared stories, we tell stories. It's so much part of who we are. Yeah. Um, and then when we unpack it, you know, you say a story has a beginning, a middle and an end mm-hmm. and it sounds kind of simple. Mm-hmm. But I think what you're really saying is sometimes we just don't do one of those phases at all. Yeah. Or we skip a phase.
0: We chicken out of the middle because yeah. that's the hardest bit. That's the important bit. Yeah. And you like it, rushing to the end. It's easy so to do the beginning. It's easy, it's easy to do the end. The middle bit is the important bit and that's the bit we're often afraid to do or... Too awkward to do, or can't be bothered doing. We're like, well, I'm never going to see you again. Why have a proper conversation with you? Um, and so the middle is the the middle is the meat. Um, and if we if we have a beginning of a conversation, we've all been in those conversations where we're making small talk. There's the beat where we're like, what are we going to talk about now? Something real? And it's like, no, nope. all right, see you later. Yeah. And you're like, ah, shit. That was well, that was awkward because we didn't have any meat.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, so let's assume we get we are getting to the heart of it, uh, it's getting meaty, it's getting yeah. uh, it's getting real. Then there's something about... Because um, I, I also see that organisations don't need to be therapeutic and on-the-couch type stuff. Yeah. Like, I think that's also where we get relationships too... Fo- focus too much on relationships and we lose sight of the outcome. I think one of the things the three of you do particularly well and, and improvisers do well is know ha- when to end. Mm. Like, you actually see... There's something in your ability to see the peak of the, the story yeah. and know that it's now time to end. Yeah. What, what can you advise people in conversations?
2: What what are, you, what are you looking for? I'd I'd watch good movies and see how they end because they always end with a certain amount of energy and then there's just the little tail off at the end where they cover off loose ends sort of thing. And all great movies do that. And bad movies don't do that. Like I've used the Lord of, of the <laughs> yeah. What do you say? like the, the <laughs> <laughs> It's
3: a great movie. It should never had, have had a sequel. so
2: <laughs> like the Lord of the Rings. like I've used often the Lord of the Rings as an example. like that's it. the third the last hour of the third movie is just it terrible tears off the last <laughs> nine hours of films that you've watched because it goes and visits everyone in their. Yeah. Hometowns, we may have just and lost all that a lot sort of, of subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> no,
3: no, up until that moment of the saying goodbye. Yeah, it's
2: yeah. brilliant. He throws the thing in. It's it's the combination of three movies. He throws it in, and now we just need that little the bit thing. at the end. Do you mean the, the ring? ring? The ring. Yeah. The Spoilers. ring. The ring. The Lord of
0: the Thing. The <laughs>
2: Lord. <laughs> um, he throws it in, and then we spend an hour just yeah. killing off all that energy. I will and that's what happens I in comedy. Convers-
0: it was it was on rewatching it, it's not so bad. It's just oh, that really? first time you watch it when you're like, Oh, that's the end. Oh, it's not the end. Because right. you kept thinking it was the end. And now you know. But now that you know how long it goes, it's not that bad. It was right. just always thinking, ah, oh, this is the final scene. Oh no, there's another one. But you oh, don't know like, that this in is a the final in a conversation, oh, no, Yeah, you and don't so know that. So after a while you're like, oh, come on, it's the end. I,
3: I think the thing is, yeah, if you're gonna have a really great, important, productive conversation or story, if you get to that peak and then and you you, you both acknowledge it or, or your group acknowledges like great this is a good place to finish it's okay to name it it's okay this is a good place so does everyone understand where we're at we are all got a plan let's go but if then we go what are you doing this weekend? Blah 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 yeah. blah blah. Oh, you know what I tried? I tried uh, chai latte. You know, like um, <laughs> yeah. uh, out you know what I mean? Like if, if we get to that, so then we're losing
2: the a new beginning. A in. new beginning yes.
3: where we're well, losing the end You're Killing
2: with, the energy off. Yeah. yeah. Cause and again, if that's if it's a difficult conversation, then that's about you making yourself feel better about the tough thing you just did as ah, well. So yes. it's like, I just did this hard thing. And you're you not okay? happy. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like, let's make some small talk. And, and it's basically, I'm saying, so are you okay now? Yeah. Like people will literally Whereas say, Whereas the better are thing are okay? to do
1: is is to leave it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just go, yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah. So,
2: yeah.
3: I mean, I, I.
0: Just be more like Silent Bob from <laughs> the movie Clerks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it.
2: I'm more Jay. <laughs> I can't remember what he says. Squidly bitch, bitch. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I was going to say squidly bitch, bitch. So I think yeah, you need to you need to find that moment to hit it at that because sometimes you'll go oh this is awesome and I want to keep this going forever because we've hit this really good spot. Yes, but it's not going to. It'll just start going down yeah. from there. Yeah. So you need to call it at that point.
3: Yeah, I reckon, that, and that goes for both difficult and hugely positive conversations though as yeah, well. Yeah. That momentum, like you said, and I mean, I don't think I think you use this, Carl, when you've had conversations before about um, hopefully understanding is where you should end as well. Mm, um, yeah, yeah, not necessarily acceptance. And ending,
0: endings should be easier in organisational life as opposed to when you're just at a party talking to someone. Um, because there's time frames at play and there's, you know, there's there's set things and there's, there's tasks that up, need to be achieved. There's... And so you feel like if if you've at least tackled the meat of the conversation, then the ending should be relatively easy. Because um, you'll sense when you've covered what needs to be covered. Um, and then it's a case of there's always an excuse to leave a room in an organisation, it seems, because there's always something you... That needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes sense. I mean, the
3: the thing in a like in an improv scene when you see that you've hit that moment. I mean, and quite often it's good to pull it down and things like that. The worst thing is is when you have to explain to people that you're pulling the scene down awkwardly and slowly because we can't go on anymore. You know, it needs to be good improvisers and people who are in, on lights and things like that will know we're going to end it here, bam, and they leave people going. That's so no, you more, do, no more no new offers, you know.
1: So you do it with confidence as well. That, yeah, yeah,
3: that yeah, yeah. It's not a weird it's okay featuring to st- out.
2: Not only is it okay to stop but we need to stop.
3: Yeah, yeah. Even though you
2: might want more. Because the, <laughs> improv- the person doing the lights is... They're often introduced as a lighting improviser. Like they're they've got control of what happens on stage. And, and so you mean like physically, well. they yeah, they can, the lights? they will bring the lights down at a certain. If they think it's this is the end point. Yeah. Sometimes if it's like we can naturally see this is ending. Yes. If it's this is time and they've hit a certain beat, bang, lights. Yeah. So they get to make those decisions. I'm now as well. seeing an innovation. I'm, I'm seeing. Like. Office, office lights We go out. <laughs> yeah. With people who are actually, you know,
1: designated yeah. to turn off the lights.
3: Or just, that's you've it. got, like, the lights are on a timer. You've got oh, that's um, on timer. 55 minute uh, At the 55 minute mark, you hear a bell ding. No I more new offers. Finish a, it up. There's a, <laughs>
0: there's a space for character actors. I'm just getting us more work, guys. Um, <laughs> I'm imagining, like, old-timey tea, tea lady or oh, someone, yeah. like, whose only job never serves tea or anything, doesn't have a trolley. But when... They sense that the meetings should be over. They come and they go. All right, everybody, I've got a clean up in it. and in shoes. Everyone up. off you go. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, just shoes everyone out of the room, regardless nice. of what's going on. It's the I end of it.
3: the meeting, guys. <laughs> sorry, I just that's, I can't do that voice. I can only do. do, you what, do was, it as... what was yours? No, the the nanny. Nanny. Sorry, the the that was it. That was the name. Yeah, yeah, it sounded
2: like a witch. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Mr. Sheffield.
2: <laughs> I was just thinking... Any of, chance. When you're having a really good conversation, in terms of the energy of a conversation, if you're with friends and maybe a couple of wines and it's, you're having a great conversation and that thing where someone says something and everyone's laughing like really, really hard yeah. and then everyone stops and there's a slight pause and then everyone goes... Oh. <sighs> That's when you want to end a conversation. That's when you want to end a conversation. (laughs) Like that's the nice tail off. That's You take a breath. So you guys have said a couple of times,
1: it's the beat. You know, the beats. You know, actually, it's funny. I've heard that term before, but I'm probably appreciating it more. It's like whether it's the sigh, whether it's the awkward moment. Do we go into something deeper?
0: Yeah. And I think as performers, we're hyper-aware um, of beats because we work, in, even when you're doing scripted work, you're working in beats and it's and a, that.
2: And a beat is shorter than a pause. Like, technically, it's a pause is supposed to go for X amount of time and a beat is a smaller version okay. of that. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah, Interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, but speaking of ending conversations, I feel like we should probably end this conversation um, because although the sound of your voice is delightful, I hate looking at your faces collectively.
3: And uh, I've got a, a lot of people coming into this <laughs> room. Right. You yeah, young everybody, this, and out. I've got to clean up this room.
0: <laughs> well, oh my! Oh jeez! I lie, of course. You're all very attractive, and I've got a crush on each and every one of you, individually and collectively. Okay. And the poop deck has never looked so good. I've been cleaning it. <laughs> Go about your business. <laughs>